It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the chills. Well, where do you begin? Well, I'm, g- I'm going to make a, a little statement I prepared earlier. People can disagree with me afterwards. My guests, who I'll introduce in a minute, can say whether they agree with it or not, have their own views. But this is just how I see it this week. So let's face it, it's been a terrible week as the war in Ukraine has entwined itself around the world. And our club has been brought firmly into the story as our owner has decided to sell Chelsea. But before we go on with the show, I want to say that any conversation we will have about Chelsea is purely secondary to the war waged by Russia in the Ukraine. That is the most important problem to solve in the world today. We stand with Ukraine. Right, well, that's it. Um, over to you. It's our first guest. It's Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, Andy. I think that's very laudable, and I, and I absolutely agree. I would like to know who Ukraine are, though. <laughs> Uqu- <laughs> it, it was just one of those things. Yes. <laughs> Ukraine. Uh, maybe I can get our editor. Can you just cut this into that for me, please, Leon? Ukraine. No, fine words, Kerry. I mean, we, we, we joke about a very serious subject. But uh, yeah, we do we do stand with Ukraine. And, and you're absolutely right. It is important to get things been, into perspective. We're all passionate Chelsea fans. We have been for decades. And it, it's important sometimes to step back and, and look at, you know, the, the situation as a whole. And, and, and that's unpleasant at the moment. And I'm sure we'll come on and talk about how that affects our football club. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I'm not going to ask you the kind of week you've had because it's it's just been weird for everybody. But our other guest today is a man who's just recovered from COVID, I believe, Indeed. which is why we didn't see him next 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 week. Last week, <laughs> it's Mr. Chaz Early. I'm getting me early's late and me late's early and everything. Chaz, how are you? And have you recovered? 
Not too bad, thanks, Gary. Nice to be back. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm getting uh, I'm getting over it. I do feel like it was that probably that packed train carriage from Marylebone to uh, Wembley last Sunday that might have just tipped me over the edge there. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm getting back to full fitness um, and uh, very pleased to be back on the show. I, I think it's some kind of record. Is it? I think it's a bit like that that game that we play at Christmas about. Is it? Uh, you know, the last person to hear "Last Christmas" by Wham wins. <laughs> I think you're the last person I know that hasn't had COVID. Do you know anybody else that that hasn't had it? I mean, I, you're very, very late to the game on this, Chelsea. There's still some, um, in fact, still some of the of, of my uh, Chelsea crowd still haven't had it, and that includes some people who go quite regularly to um, the European aways as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, quite how they've avoided it, I don't know presumably by standing in their own little plastic bubble somewhere. But um, no, four of us who were at the game uh, ended up succumbing. So uh, it's not been a great week for our little gang, one way or another. No, it's, it is crazy, though, because often you find then suddenly one person doesn't get it. And also, I, I guess we have to remember, we know that some people will just not show up as as positive. So... Who knows? There's there's plenty of people I know who think they may have had it at some point, but then they might not. Have. Who knows? It's it's a big a big invariable, and you know it it seems to be moving to the side of the news now with every, everything that's happening. And I suppose I, what I wanted to start off with with, and I'll start with Andy because he is our PR guru. Um, now we we saw last week's show. There were announcements of, of various things with the stewardship of the club going to the um, charitable foundation. And uh, then we had other statements. And then just before the Luton game, we got this, this the timing I thought was odd of the owner was going to sell the club. Did you think that timing was odd? Did you think the, the timing of things that had come out before the cup final was odd? How did you see that? How does that work in a PR world that you go, I know, let's do it not far before the game. Is that to, what is it, what are you trying to do when you do something like that, Andy? Uh, it's very odd. I went to the game. Uh, big thanks to Chris Sice, who I know is a, a, a long-time listener of the pod for sorting me out to kit. Cheers, Chris. And to Adam uh, for actually um, uh, giving me the ticket. Uh, and I was waiting for, for Adam outside the ground to pick the ticket up at Luton and um and it came through and I did think this is odd just before a game um and the only thing I can think of is that the news was going to break um and that the papers were going to break it or that somebody had got hold of it or the media had got hold of it and they thought they would try and control the narrative by getting it getting it out themselves that's the only thing I would think from a professional perspective why you would do that because otherwise you'd probably you'd probably f- do it first thing in the morning and and start the day with it and allow the questions to filter out throughout the day. Doing it just before a game that time of night, it can only be be because somebody else had got it and they were going to run it. And it was like, we have no choice. Um, But yeah, odd, odd. And and obviously it started up a lot of conversations in the ground amongst people who were scratching their heads. I actually thought it was a a very good statement, quite a moving statement in some ways uh, from Roman. You know, I mean, clearly, you know, this was not something he wanted to do it's not something that he chose to do um there were some really interesting details in there about not wanting the money to be paid back about hopefully getting back to the ground for one last game to say goodbye all that detail was really interesting 
Um, but you know, if you want my opinion on it, I don't think he had any choice. I genuinely don't think he had any choice. We discussed it at length last time. He was in an invidious situation where he couldn't, for his own safety, condemn Putin and the actions of Putin. Uh, yet on the other hand, you know, he he couldn't, you know, he couldn't come out and um deny or confirm and when you're in that situation he, he he was left with no choice really we totally understand why he couldn't um but when you've got that level of doubt lingering in the situation and that bad smell lingering the only thing he could do was to withdraw gracefully and i think he's done it gracefully so chaz i mean how do we feel about this because my thinking is we cannot decide whether we're pro the owner, against the owner, for him. It's it's really hard because everything is in this whirlwind of information. And actually, within that whirlwind, there isn't very much information. So we can't really make any assumptions on anything at this moment in time. Um, how do you feel about that? And, and does that actually feel frustrating? That In a way, you'd like to know exactly where the owner stands, but we can't. I mean... I think, as Andy said, I think it's entirely unsurprising that he hasn't come out and unequivocally uh, condemned the invasion or condemned Putin um, just for his own personal safety. There doesn't seem to be any level of understanding of that as a motive for him not having done so anywhere else outside of, you know, outside of Chelsea fandom and perhaps a, a few very enlightened journalists. I mean, I've found... Don't get me wrong, we clearly, we here and those listening will clearly uh, will have our blue-tinted spectacles polished up nicely here, but I don't feel there's been any recognition of the fact that um, whatever you think his links to him may be, uh, there's been no recognition of the fact that he is a perfectly legitimate owner of a football club because the FA uh, and the Premier League have said he is. Um, he hasn't yet been sanctioned. There's a fair possibility he won't be because of the legal ramifications of it. Um, and his hand's being forced to do this. And he's also doing it in a way that uh, we hope will benefit um, uh, victims of the war. Now, he's worded it very carefully. And some people have said, actually, that could also mean Russian victims of the war. And I think to myself, well, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If if there are Russian, real Russian victims who are uh, ordinary Russian people who are suffering because Putin has done this, then um, then yeah, they should be considered victims too. And I think you know, arguing the toss over uh, over his uh, what I think is a really well worded statement is 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 nonsense. Really, I think he's he's done the only thing as as we've said, he's done the only thing he really can. And the vitriol that's come out towards him purely. As, as I can see it, is that because he's the most obvious and most visible of the Russian oligarchs and does have that former connection with Putin. And yet there's so little, there's so little evidence that he has still has a, a, any major connection with him. So it's been very well, frustrating for me. Yeah, it, it is frustrating. I mean, look, just playing devil's advocate here a little bit, you know, and, and, and challenging that a little bit from a devil's advocate perspective. He has said recently that he paid for political influence. You know that's that's a matter of record. You know, and oh, yeah, no, I should there, say sorry. And Andy, there are historical, there are historical links with Putin. Um, yeah. You know, whether he has 
still has those links, whether he still has, he's still within that sphere of influence. That's I think that, I that, that that's the grey area. And yeah, I think that's what I meant. And I think that my my sorry, Kerry, I've hijacked probably your question here, but you know, I no, I, I think that um, what's really interesting about this is the notion of whether you should be blindly loyal to the owner um, because you're a Chelsea fan um, or whether you should ask questions or whether you should reflect or I, I'm part of the I don't think blindly loyal works and, and I think that's where we've got ourselves into a few tricky situations here is there's a certain element of the fan base that think yes. you have to be blindly loyal to, and, and you mustn't ask questions and you Agreed. must defend, defend, defend and I've never done that in any aspect of my life you know I've never been blind apart from my family I've never been blindly loyal to anybody and I think that you should always ask questions and push and challenge because you know because of the misinformation that's going on at the moment and make no mistake that statement from from uh from abramovich wasn't written by abramovich you know he approved it but he didn't write it you know a very expensive pr professional wrote that um and and helped with that strategy this is pr it is about reputation management it is about crisis management it's an expensive professional occupation and we mustn't forget that you know that that he's he again is in a very tricky situation i don't want people to interpret the fact i'm down on abramovich because I'll say, on the record, I think he's been a fantastic owner of, of Chelsea Football Club. You know, we've all had our reservations about where he's got his money, but putting that to one side, he's been a brilliant owner, hands off, you know, when he needs to be, uh, decisive when he needs to be. Um, he's put a huge amount of his personal wealth into it. We've had enormous amounts of success under him. The work he did during the pandemic, um, the work he's done for anti-Semitism and anti-racism has been amazing. All of that stuff, I think, needs to go into the credit column. It doesn't mean you can't ask questions, and it doesn't mean you can't reserve judgment. And it doesn't mean you can't, as a Chelsea fan, feel slightly uncomfortable about the level of support from some of the fan base without that question. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. The, the problem is everything has gone into this melting pot. And that's why I'm saying we can't say one way or the other. The, the reality is we can't come out and support him unconditionally. And we can't come out... And, and say this man is the most hateful man in the world because we are not aware of so many facts that may or may not yet be revealed, which does lead us to this point whereby it looks as though he will sell the club because he has to, because perhaps he can't ever tell us the reality of the situation. And that in this day and age, when everything is so microscopically analysed, when it's turned to be so, he can't cope with that. We can't cope with that. We have to move on. But there is also the, the other thought that could this be a stalling tactic until he gets wind that he's definitely going to get sanctions? Will he really sell it? Because at first we were hearing that it was possibly going to be sold by Monday, which is where we are. Well, that was never going to happen. No, of course it's not. It's a very, very complex financial instrument and transaction. It's never going to happen by in, in quickly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there, there, there's now talk, oh, this could take months to sort out. So, you know, what's it going to be? A quick sale? I can't see it for all the reasons you said. 
Or is it going to be a long-winded... Look, when you sell your house, it takes months because there's due diligence and there's, you know, all sorts of stuff to be done. You have to, you know, you have to go through a legal process to sell your house. If you sell anything, there's a legal process to go through, a level of due diligence that the buying party has to go through. You know, the idea that it's going to be sold quickly is nonsense. It it won't be. In terms of a stalling tactic, I don't think that statement says stalling tactic to me. That's a very, very strong statement to row back from. You know, uh, for me, that sounds pretty finite and pretty final I mean Roman has been a man of few words throughout his whole tenure at Chelsea you know we've barely heard anything from him I can't remember I can't even remember what his voice sounds like um you know so it, it's really uh telling that he put that level of detail and that firmer statement out into the public sphere and can I just say on the, wondering what his voice sounds like thank god Gary Hayes isn't here this week Otherwise, I'm sure he would have done an impression. Oh. And it just might not be the right time for that. Yeah. But Chaz, Chaz, over to you. Do, do you. do you feel this sort of strange imbalance that we can't come out with what we think because we just don't know? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I've never been particularly backward in coming out with what I think. And I, I mean, I've taken a bit of stick on Twitter for supporting Abramovich. But I'm, I'm with Andy. I want to be clear that, you know... At, I've always had a small nagging, lurking bit of discomfort in the back of my mind about where his money's come from and just how much, you know, just how um, dark the path to his uh, to his billions was. But we can only, as football fans, certainly, uh, we can only look at the man's deeds uh, since he has become an owner of the club. Um, I think it's right and proper that he uh, is relinquishing ownership of the club. And I think he thinks it's right and proper. And he probably also thinks it's best to be seen to be doing that as well. But as Andy says, it's not like it's going to happen overnight. It may not even happen before he's sanctioned. Although, frankly, I'm still slightly... um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There are so many legal ramifications and ins and outs about it. And the the government are pussyfooting around the situation so badly. Mm. I wonder if it'll actually ever happen. However, he seems to be doing the he seems to be doing the right thing for the club, which is what he's really is what he's always done for the club. He's he's rarely put a foot wrong as as far as I'm concerned in terms of uh, his. Uh, I think probably uh, probably the um, the European Super League was about the only time uh, that he's made a, si- a significant misstep. Well, um, and on that, I think he was badly advised. Yeah. Look, I mean, the cynical man would say he's writing off one point five billion to save ten billion. You know, uh, you know, he's he's doing that to save his fortune and to keep the sanctions away. I, I don't necessarily believe that although i don't know i don't necessarily believe it i don't you know i want to say again uh you know i've also been supportive of the work that abramovich has done within chelsea football club um i can't comment on you know any potentially dark past i don't know about a dark past really or or what's going to happen in the future but i think it's perfectly acceptable to say he's been amazing for chelsea football club i also think it's it's perfectly acceptable to sing his name in thanks just don't do it during a minute's applause in solidarity for Ukraine. Absolutely. You know, and that's a message to all Chelsea fans that were at that Burnley game. If you sang that, you embarrassed the club. 
I'm sorry you did you know uh you know a few people have said we didn't realize that you know that it, it hadn't finished we thought we'd finished well that's fair enough if that's true um but you know those of us that were watching that couldn't get a ticket for that game that were watching that game and heard the chance of Roman Abramovich break in before the end of the applause that's poor you know we don't want we don't want to do that by all means sing his name I will sing his name you know I will you know at, at the appropriate time but that wasn't an appropriate time Certainly yeah, embarrassed I, Thomas Tuchel, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was just going to say he, that that was my next point because I think after this we will go to football and it'd be football all the way. But uh, yeah, I mean, he said we clap for Ukraine and there's no second opinion. I I think Thomas Tuchel in this last week has proven to be one of the mo- most magnificent managers I've come across at Chelsea. I think. He's handled everything with dignity and good grace and got shirty with journalists when they deserved it last week, when they persistently pestered him with the same question over and over again. This man is the one man I care about, whoever comes in, whenever they come in, that they keep him on. Because I think he shows all the attributes of true monumental leadership. I think he has been an absolute beacon in this last week for me, and he is only to be applauded. How, how do you feel about Tuchel in his performances last week, Andy? Well, I, I agree with everything you say. I think he's been magnificent. I've liked him since day one. I like the way he carries himself. I like, I like his measured approach. He's passionate when he needs to be passionate. He's measured when he needs to be measured. He's not afraid of calling people out when they need to be called out. You know, he's he's everything you want in the leader of a football team. He protects his players when he has to. Um, he's, you know, clearly somebody that commands respect in the dressing room and in the press room as well. And I think that it's an must be an absolutely appalling situation for him to find himself in battling on so many well three fronts now I guess after the Carling Cup game but um, battling on all those fronts football wise trying to keep a squad going potentially losing defenders in the summer so many issues that he has to deal with anyway without this and I think it's um, really a testament to the man the way he's dealt with this. And, and Chaz, I mean, if you've got any last thoughts on Tuchel, um, and then we'll go to a break and we'll come back and talk about football. He seems tremendously focused. Um, I appreciate that, you know, as you said, he had he had a small moment of losing it with journalists, unsurprisingly, frankly, after being asked the same question over and over. But uh, I mean, the, he's making it, you, you only need to look at what's going on in the pitch. There's been a little bit of an upturn and and we're in the middle of a, a run of nine games, the only game of which we didn't win uh, was the uh, Carabao Cup final and that we were denied by some dreadful VAR. But uh, yeah, he seems yeah, we didn't to be... lose that game. We lost the penalty shootout. Absolutely. He seems to be right on. Yeah, it's the only game we didn't win. Yeah. He seems to be He seems to be very much on top of the situation and 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 steadying the ship. And as you say, I mean, he's a, he just strikes me as a very smart man uh, and a very together man. And he's he's the ideal person to have at the helm at this point. I think he's a brilliant combination of of hard nosed managerial skill and empathy, and I think that's that's really all you can ask for in a, in mm. somebody that's going to lead your football club. Absolutely. Well, a man who's now going to lead us into the halftime break is Thomas Tuchel. So here we go with this commercial break. 
And we're back. Right, it's football all the way from now on. Okay, so let's go back. Last week, it's the FA Cup being played during the week. It's really weird. It wasn't a replay. It was the first game. It was a way to Luton Town. Now, Andy, as you said earlier, you were there. Um, you managed to get down to the Luton game. You got a ticket. You were well looked after by fine listeners to this podcast. I was. What did you make of the side when you saw that come out? There was a few eyebrows raised here and there, weren't there? Well, I, I, I should, should just, just say a little story before that. You know, I live in St Albans, which is 20 minutes from Luton on the train, if that, you know, and then a little walk from here. Um, but unfortunately, when when uh, Chris rang me up and said, do you fancy a ticket? I was in Norfolk. Um, so what would ordinarily be a 20-minute journey ended up being a six-hour round trip. <laughs> so um, just just typical uh, and, uh, and ironic. Um, what did I think of the team? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Kepper in goal. That wasn't a surprise. Uh, I suppose the really big surprise is his Loftus-Cheek. And we should come on and talk about Loftus Beckenbauer cheek uh, <laughs> playing in playing in, uh, in in the defence. Now, being at the game, you don't have any, you know, you don't have any different angles on on what you're watching. You're behind the goal, you're looking on it. And I was sitting there thinking, what position is he playing in? Because he's playing very deep. And it wasn't until sort of halfway through the game, I'm thinking he's playing at centre back. He's playing in the middle of a back three. It's like it was. It was um, once you realised it. It was. It was fascinating. Um, Saar and Rudiger either side of him with Hudson Odoin and and the lesser spotted Kennedy, who we hadn't seen for three or four years, or the uh, very tattooed Kennedy uh, playing playing over at uh, left wing back. Uh, Jorginho and and Saul uh, in the middle with a front three of uh, Mountain Werner behind uh, Romelu Lukaku making a start. Uh, so I looked at that team and I thought, well, some interesting stuff in there, uh, but should be enough against Luton. But I did in the back of my head think Luton are a decent team. So I knew it was going to be a decent game. It, it was a proper old scrap, wasn't it, Chaz? I mean, it, I mean, it was a real cup tie full of thunder and and, and great passion. It, it was an incredible game. As a neutral, you probably loved it. As a Chelsea fan, it was a little bit scary. Yeah. I mean, I think we, uh, without wanting to mind cliches too deeply, it was probably their actual cup final, wasn't it? Or it, it may have felt that way. And they, the way they uh, set about us in the uh, opening salvos has, uh, showed that, I think. Um, and probably because of the, maybe the lack of game time of a couple of the players and a couple of unforced errors that were made. Malang Sar, we're looking at you. Um that may have contributed to a little bit of nervousness, given Luton a bit more uh, confidence to come at us and make more of a game of it. But what I have really been pleased to note recently is that our second half performances do seem to be a step up from our first. Uh, and that, you know, again, that's another little nod to Tommy T because uh, he's obviously doing and saying the right things at half time and making the right tweaks. We did look a different team after the uh, after the halftime break, I felt. Um, and it was lovely seeing the likes of um, Timo in particular having a really good game um, and getting himself involved, getting on the score sheet. Uh, so that was a real bonus to me. Andy, uh, it was one of those games where you hope some people that you're not expecting to step up, step up. And I thought Saul has had this sort of 
very strange career at Chelsea. I mean, he died a horrible death from the first pass he made in his first game, then seemed to lose all confidence, then he'd come back in, then he'd drop out. He started in the last few times we've seen him, he started to look as though he's starting to get the measure of the English game, isn't he? And his goal was a, th- a thing of great beauty. And of course, it's another goal scorer on the, on the uh, different goal scorers we've had this season. Yeah, he could have had three, actually. Um, listen, I thought he was really, really good. Magnificent, in fact, at, at times. I thought he was elegant. I thought he looked classy. He played with his head up. He um, made really good decisions. I think in the early start of his time here, he was completely overwhelmed by the pace of the English game. He just didn't expect people to be, you know, getting up in his face as quickly as they did. And it took him a little bit of time. That's not unusual for players that come from La Liga. It was very stark in his case because we've got a midfield that are pretty good in that situation. So when he was robbed three or four times in a row or misplaced a pass, you know, we were like, this guy can't hack it. But we know that Sao Niguez is a really good player. We know from his time at Atletico and watching La Liga that he's a really good player. Um, and I, start, I think we're starting to see... What why people rate him so highly. He, you know, is a, uh, an intelligent player who reads the game well. We'll come on and talk about the burn again and how he, he showed some very, very massive lack of pace, uh, uh, you know, playing at left back. But, um, you know, he's, he's a player that seems to be unselfish and will play in, in whatever utility position you put him. You know, he's a decent addition to the squad. And I think you can only say well done, Sal, after that performance. So, Chaz, do we, because we've got the option to buy him, Never mind, I'm talking in principle, never mind who's in charge of the club or who makes decisions. Do you think he's somebody we should buy for the squad next year? I'm, I remain unconvinced, I have to say. I do think he is, uh, he's showing flashes of the player that we know he can be and, and has been for Atletico. Um, and he certainly took that goal beautifully. I think he needs a. He still needs a little bit too much time on the ball for my liking, um, and I do think we probably have options coming up through the uh, through the academy that might even sort of. Again, I'm probably I'm probably saying this with half an eye on what's going on um, around the club uh, from a from a wider perspective. So maybe that's a bit unfair on him, but um, I'm not sure. I think he's a, he's a, a great person to have in the squad at the moment. I'm not. I wouldn't. I still remain to be convinced that he's someone we actually want to spend hard cash on. Yeah, I think I agree with Chaz, and I think he's on very expensive wages as well. When you've got people like Conor Gallagher, Billy Gilmore, when mm. you've got, you know, potentially looking at, you know, other high-profile midfielders that we might be linked with, you know, as well as Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, you know, do we need someone who's going to come in for that level of money and that level of wages at this stage in his career? I'm with Chaz, you know, whilst I'm pleased that he's starting to make a name for himself and, you know, and and not attract derision every time he touches the ball, not sure he's a long-term solution for Chelsea. No, I'd agree with that. I think, I think if he was going to be a player we'd sign next year, he needed to probably get it together earlier in this season to convince that actually there is a real place there because I think our thinking has changed because of what's happening with some of our low knees and how good they've become. I think and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, be... of course, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I was going to move on to him next, but yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a fair summation of where we are with Sal. Um, and ironic, isn't it, that... He leaves Atleti because they only want to play him as a wing-back 
And the only way he can really get into the Chelsea side is as a wing-back because we haven't got any. So, yeah. And as for Ruben, uh, he had a very shaky sort of opening to the game against Luton. But then he grew into it. And and honestly, I mean, it, it made me smile when he said the Beckenbauer-like uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek because there were times when he strolled out so magnificently. And when he's on those loping runs and he cuts this way and that way, you can see what he's going to do, but there's nothing you can do other than take him down. It's what Rudiger thinks he's doing in his head, is what actually <laughs> Ruben Loftus-Cheek was doing. When Rudiger carries the ball out, which he does on, on many occasions, that's what he thinks he's doing. Ruben Loftus-Cheek bought it out with an elegance and a, and, and, and a confidence uh, that was magnificent. You're right, I don't think he was great for the first half of the first half. He looked very wobbly indeed, uh, getting caught in possession. His decision-making wasn't great, but second half particularly, I thought he was magnificent. Chaz, your thoughts on Ruben? Uh, he seems to have more comebacks than uh, Frank Sinatra. I mean, I've always been, I've always admired him. I've always think he's got a sort of languid excellence about him. When he's playing at his very best, he really does have, you know, he, he he's, it almost looks effortless with him. Where, where would you play him, Chaz? I still think I still prefer him uh, breaking out of breaking out of the middle of uh, midfield. I still think he's you know uh, he's very hard to shake off the ball. And when you see him moving from the sort of centre circle towards the penalty area uh, of the opposition, he's he seems unstoppable. He's, he's and he, if he could just if he just puts a little bit more uh, consistency into his game, I think he really has the possibility to to still become a great player, whether or not he'll be able to break into the side past um, some of the other great players we've already got in the team is another thing entirely. But, um, you know, even if he ends up going on elsewhere, I think he could still be a, a really significant player, could get back in the England squad, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, injuries has, has always been, you know, the great thing with him, you know, is do we, how long is he going to last? How long is he? How many games can we get out of him over a season? But I think it with a um, with a good run of games and a tiny bit more consistency, you know, he's a pretty fearsome sight when he comes breaking out of midfield. So um, that's where I'd play. Interesting to see whether Thomas Tuchel thinks of him as a perhaps an emergency stopgap. Should uh-huh. we lose all our defenders? Hmm. You know, and I wonder if that's you know he's going to pull off a similar. Moses Conte masterstroke with uh, with Ruben Loftus Cheek, you know, to to plug a crisis, but actually might turn out to be the making of of uh, of Loftus Cheek, that sort of sweeper like central defender in a three. Yeah, you, know, you know, it's it was really interesting, and as I say, being at the game, you didn't get the perspective that you did on TV, obviously. Um, but once you realised what was going on, it was like, oh, well, this is really interesting. I, I feel like, like you, could, you could sell that to him as well, wouldn't you? I think I feel like that would be something that you could sell to him. You could be a libero. Yeah, exactly. Come well, on. it's interesting because Tuchel did say in one of his press conferences afterwards, uh, he said that he really, once that Ruben had settled down, he really liked it when he stepped forward and played more in a genuine six role. Yeah. And I, I thought that was quite telling. He can see he's not quite right as the centre-back, but move him a little bit forward... That's where he'll end up doing what, what Chaz is talking about, that bit. Because it's fun. the thing that was good the other night was when he was doing it from that more defensive position, none of the attackers know what to do. They can't go in and tackle him, so he goes straight past. So he gets up beyond the centre circle. But if he can start those runs later, then you're right. 
get a man that how many times does he go running and gets fouled near the edge of the box mm. because he's such he's such a big unit but with such quick feet he always gets fouls if he doesn't get the chance to lay the ball off so it, it again it what you're seeing is Tuchel trying to work out what he can do with Ruben, mm. which has been the conundrum for many people in the past. I don't think he'll be a centre back. I think you've got to no. read. You've, I don't think he reads the game well enough defensively to be a centre back, and he hasn't got the raw aggression of someone like Rudiger to kind of compensate for it. So I don't. I don't. Long term, I don't think it's a solution. But but perhaps as a six, a defensive six, I think that that is interesting but you know Chaz is right the the problem exactly the problem the problem has always been with Ruben not just injuries where do you play him what's his position is he an eight is he a ten is he does he Makaleli is what what is he and I think that this is Tuchel trying to figure out a little bit more and trying to get inside his head and figure out where he can use his undoubted talents best Look, what he is, is he's the comeback kid, without a doubt. You know, he he does keep coming. Just when you think, mm, I don't think it's going to work out, he then comes along, has a good game, and you go, but when he gets it together, this boy could that, be something. That's a key thing, isn't it, with Saul yeah. and with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. It's what we were talking about with Pulisic in recent weeks. Got to string these games together. Got to do it over 5, 10, 15 games. Don't just have the odd good game and an FA Cup game away at Luton. Do it consistently. You know, make us think like Kovacic did. You know, Kovacic's first season was up and down and up and down. And then suddenly he was consistent, consistent, consistent. Same with Jorginho to a degree. You know, that consistently, you know, the the fans aren't stupid. They look at that and they go, you know, there's things about both those players that might irritate us, but you know they're not going to let you down. They're going to be consistent throughout the thing. And I think that's why players like Mason Mount always get a start because they can be consistent. And these players that we're talking about, they do it. But do they do it enough and with enough regularity? Sorry if I'm preempting a question you're going to ask anyway, Kerry. But and, and I may have missed a conversation early on an earlier podcast. But guys, where do you, do you think perhaps that um, Pulisic is now starting to do that? Because I've shown uh, to me he's showing signs now of getting back to some somewhere towards the level that we know he can be at. Yeah, I I, I would say that's true. I think he's starting. I I think everything tallies more for him when Tuchel plays him in the position that he likes to play. The When he can drop deeper, when he can run through the middle, he can start linking things. You can see almost his muscle memory is getting back into shape. Mm. He's still got to do it on a consistent level uh, over more games to come, but there are signs that he is awakening from a a deep, dark slumber. (laughs) And if he can get it together, yeah, I mean... I like him because he does the unusual. Mm. I like him because suddenly he is in the six-yard box. I like him because he tries to make a pass. But as as Andy will, will agree, for the last couple of years, since that injury against Arsenal in the cup final, he hasn't been the player. But no. there are signs that, again, I think like Tuchel is trying to do with Loftus-Cheek, try and find a position for him, I think he's going, okay, there's no point putting you out wide on the left. It doesn't really work. I'm going to put you just here. And he's more like an inside forward who can 
just do a little bit of magic. So we, he, came, we'll he came on for half an hour against Luton. I thought he did well. I thought I thought he made mm. an impact when he came on. Uh, yeah, admittedly against a tiring Luton side who'd given it hundred percent for for sixty minutes. But um, I thought he did well uh, against Burnley. He, he was all right. I mean, he was perfectly fine. I didn't have a problem with him. I popped up, scored a goal, was in the right place at the right time. You know, you can't argue with that. I, I think Jazz is right. I think there are green shoots of recovery with Pulisic, but. I'm still reserving a little bit of judgment. I want to see him keep doing. I'm a harsh taskmaster. No, you know, give me a, give me another five games, and I'll yeah. be singing his praises. I mean, I yeah. had, I'd, I'd been a big supporter of his, and I'd got I'd started to get to the point of going. And admittedly, this was really with substitute showings and the occasional start. I'd started to say, I'm just not sure he's the player that we all thought he might be. But uh, yeah, now I'm 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 with the benefit of him sort of getting a bit more regular game time. Uh, I am starting to think that actually, you know, maybe he can get back to that to that lofty position that he once was at. And I really hope so, because I do like him an awful lot. Same here. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, lastly, we're going to segue in from the the Luton game into the into the Burnley game. Burnley. Burnley. Uh, And Lukaku got the winner and you wondered, well, maybe that'll set him up to be starting the Burnley game. But it didn't turn out to be like that. And uh, what are your thoughts on that, Andy? Were you pleased for Lukaku to get the winner? Yeah, he was right in, uh, right in front of us, which was nice. Um, so, you know, he managed to uh, enjoy the moment with the Chelsea fans. You know, he was very cool about it. I think he knows there's still work to do. He wasn't going crazy. He still, you know, he, he was still humble about it. Um, he's got some work to do to, w- to win back the trust of the Chelsea fans. Not not just for what he's, silly stuff he said about Inter, but just his performances generally. But, you know, he's starting to put some performances together. Should have had a goal in the, in the Carling, uh, Carabao Cup final we know that you know and I think I think that that was a goal you know yeah. having looked at it a hundred times I, I suppose maths would tell you that it wasn't but you know something's got to change there 100%. um but you know but 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 he didn't he didn't but he did in this and um I, I thought uh I thought he was impactful I thought he played well I thought he was a handful um and you're right he didn't get a start against Burnley um but you know didn't didn't need him in the end did we so it was uh it was perfectly fine yeah, and okay, so so the Burnley game, again, that side, uh, were there surprises for you? Because I think the one thing, and we've been saying this for a few weeks now, when Lecar, uh, when Havertz plays as this false nine, he's stopped being a false nine. He's a nine, he's a striker. He's starting to dominate certain parts of the pitch. And also, we'll talk, you, you can go through the side in a minute, but I just want to say this about Havertz while I think about it. This is someone who I think is finally starting to find his feet. Now, whether that's because we're through the COVID years, we're start, he's starting to get a relationship with the fans, things are turning to normal in certain ways, although nothing is ever normal at Chelsea. But you are seeing the signs that actually Havertz could be an absolutely brilliant player for us, not just score occasional brilliant goals or goals to win big games, we're actually seeing him make a difference in well, games. Well, I, I would I would say to that, have you only just noticed that? Because, you know, you know me, I've been a fanboy of Havertz for a long time. I think he's always had that capability. Um, but he I hasn't know, done it. 
Well, he's going to win us the Champions League final. No, but that's what I'm saying. He scores important goals, but he hasn't been consistent. He's He's been far more inconsistent than probably Pulisic in the last few months. Yeah, look, I think he he was played in an unfamiliar position for quite a long time because we needed him to. Um, He was pushed up front. We all know that, you know, he came to us as a 10, really, somebody that was going to sit behind a striker and, 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 uh, although he did score a lot of goals in Germany, um, he was pushed up front. Um, he had to learn how to do that. I, I just have always seen brilliance in him. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, you know, you can, you can shout me down if you like, but I've always seen him being great. I mean, I know what you're saying about impacting games and about actually having a huge influence, but as I say, I've always been a fan. I've always thought he was a generational talent. And, you know, so it's no surprise to me. And I know that might sound a little bit smug, but I'm genuinely will stand behind that. I mean, mean, a generational talent's a kind of a a heavy tag because Messi and Ronaldo are generational talents. But I've genuinely always thought that he would be. You think he'll be on that level? Yeah. Still? I think he will. He's only young. He's only only a kid. Okay. Charles, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think he's been... I do think he's had another another player who's had moments of being frustratingly... um, You know, the ability we know that he has has been frustratingly elusive. But I think a lot of that is down to, as Andy says, being played out of position. He's had COVID twice, including once quite seriously, apparently. He's had a few niggling injuries. Uh, they have chopped and changed positions uh, with him. But he's, start again, he's obviously in an absolute groove now. And again, we are seeing the potential starting to come good. And uh, Andy's absolutely right. He's 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 always clearly had bags and bags of talent. And he's still only 22. So it's... It's really not unsurprising that there is uh, there have been moments, perhaps, where he's uh, not shown his considerable gifts in the way that we'd have liked him to. But at the moment, I think he's pretty much undroppable. He's um, I mean, he's playing magnificently well. Uh, he's he's athletic. He's intelligent. Um, he's surprisingly I, quick. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he elite he in the air. But he's also he can, able to put the foot in, you know, he can do his bit for the team, you know, he can put yeah. himself about a bit. Uh, he's been really, really impressive. So it doesn't really surprise me that uh, Romelu, who's been having a very bad time of it, regardless of, um, you know, his little uptick in form, um, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's he's the first, you know, he's the name on the team sheet that seems immovable. Yeah, it, it is interesting. He, 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 I think you're absolutely right. I think Havertz is now undroppable and the only reason he goes out of the side is to just give him a rest. There's mm. a real difference when we were searching for the players that... Because the, there was a point where every single one of our forward players was not producing. Mm. None of them. Correct. They just couldn't get it together. And now you're just seeing this shift. I mean, OK, the person that is concerning me at this moment, and I think he he definitely needs a rest is Mason Mount. Uh, I mean, Mason is is such a different player this year. Again, he's had all sorts of problems. He's had all sorts of issues. Are you concerned about Mason at the moment, Andy? No. Nah. No, I mean, just for the, for, the, for the present moment. No. I think you'll be fine next year. But... No, I'm not at all. No, I think he's played well in recent games. Um, listen, uh, Havertz, Mount, 
we judge them by the, you know, not only just their individual performances, but by their team performances as well. We know this year that the one massive elephant in the room is our finishing. Our finishing has been terrible. I mean, if you look at our XG, um, if you look at what we should have scored and what we could have scored, if you'd have finished significant amounts of those chances we'd be looking at Havertz and Mount in very different light and basically saying look at the suppliers look at what they play the fact is we've drawn so many games we've we've had so many frustrating games we're kind of lumping them in with those results as well but you know those players around them have got to take some responsibility for not finishing those chances it's so frustrating watching Chelsea this season knowing that you know, the, the, but were it for not hitting the ball straight at the keeper or hitting it wide or snatching at chances, we'd be so far ahead of what we are and we'd be thinking of these players in very different terms. And they've got to take some responsibility for it. I know what you're saying about Mount. He's looked a little bit tired in previous games. But, you know, he's Mason Mount. He, he impacts games. He brings energy to games. I don't think he needs a rest. I don't think he wants a rest. I think he will get stronger as the season goes on. I'll tell you what's interesting, gents, is that, you know, even we've been saying that Pulisic is coming back to form. Mason Mounts had some patchy form coming back to form, maybe. Um, Ziyech. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lukaku's been a little bit off it. Havertz has only really just started coming into form. And yet, despite all of those, all of those things, uh, we're still on a run where we haven't lost in nine games. And we're third. That, in fact, we won every one of those games except the uh, Carabao Cup final. And, it, it just Which makes we didn't think, lose, by the way. We absolutely, hundred percent, <laughs> But it, it's just, it's, it's just, it, it shows that really we've sort of, if, with a little bit more gas, with a little bit more consistency from everyone, and solving this, um, uh, this accuracy problem, this finishing problem, we, you know, the the sky's the limit, really, with this squad. I think. Uh, so, I, am I wrong? I think we're six points better off than we were at this point last season. We're third in the table. Yeah. Yeah. We've only lost three games this season in the league, mm-hmm. and yet we're having a bit of a yeah. having a bit of a bad season. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like we've but got to get things in perspective. You know, we're totally, looking at yeah. teams like you know Arsenal on on a charge. We're looking at you know uh, West Ham, who apparently have done amazingly well this season, but are still you know ten points behind us with you know games. And I mean, all that stuff. You've got to look at where we are. We've won two trophies. We've, um, you know, we've, we're third in the table. This is not a bad season. Absolutely. Perhaps some of these, some of these, uh, these players haven't performed as well as we would, and we have frustratingly missed the opportunities to stay level with teams like Liverpool and Man City uh, when we could have done. Um, but these are frustrations. They're not disasters. I'd rather be us than Man United or Spurs at the moment, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, you would exactly. anyway, but you know, just yeah. in terms of in sure. terms of where they are, not of who they are. And we've also but had I, a, a crippling schedule as well. You know, we've had a, ri- a ridiculous schedule, and we yeah. didn't have any of the COVID cancellations that a lot of clubs had. Yeah, and and the, the last point, say on the Burnley game, which I think made a huge difference, and I'm sure you two will agree, was the return. We've seen him coming in for more and more time, game by game. Reese James who suddenly, for me, he is possibly the greatest product from our our system uh, that you will ever see at this moment in time. He's challenged quite a lot by a few other players. You've got to to caveat that, though. Why? Because you've got to say John Terry. 
No, I'm going to say Rhys James. No, you're that's not. What I, think, gosh, I am. See, that's what I was thinking. I thought that no, was a bold statement. Not. Why not? I, bold, I'm a man for bold Kerry, statements. Kerry, I'm going to give you one more opportunity to caveat that. <laughs> Rhys James will prove to be the greatest player that we've had from the Youth Academy. You've literally lost every... Well, you didn't have much in the first place, but you've literally lost the respect of every listener. I've got my fingers crossed. I'm just winding you up. No, of course, Jay. I mean out of the modern ones, out of, the out of this era. breed. Right. Yeah. JT true, is a different... It would yeah, be nice if it was true. Yeah, but um, you never know. We'll yeah, see. Listen, I mean, look, he's, Remember he's, this date. He's uh, He's been magnificent. I mean, he was brilliant against Burnley um but yeah he's a he's he's quite a player you know fitness um staying fit you know well, let's hope that's not a long, an ongoing issue um but I mean what what a player what a player I'd actually put him alongside Ashley Cole that's where that's why I see him and Ashley Cole was always for me head and shoulders above every any fullback we'd ever had um, you know, he was a you know a, a legendary four, but I think Reese is going to be in that bracket. Mm. You know that that's that's really really high praise for me. You know, and I think that you know Reese James will be as good as Ashley Cole just on another on the other side. Yeah, and I, I just think we we need him back. He does something. He's he's able to cross. He's able to deliver. He's able to score. It's uh, no surprise, is it, that the, the dip in form coincided with Chilwell and Rhys yeah, James leaving, leaving, leaving. It's no surprise. And get those two back, get a full season out of them. Yeah, it's going to be a completely different ball game for us. Different gravy. But um, all right. Well, look, um, we are about out of time, and so we should quickly do a prediction. And don't forget to join us later in the week, where we we will be previewing the Newcastle game, that'll be uh, old money versus new money, <laughs> which will be kind of a weird thing. But, uh, yeah, we should just go for quick predictions. Thursday night, Norwich away. Uh, Chaz, would you like to give us a quick thought on that game and the prediction? Uh, Norwich are very close to my heart. My um, my parents both re- they're, they're separated, but they both retired to and live in Norwich, near Norfolk in in Norfolk, near Norwich. Um, and they're a lovely team and it's a lovely club and I like the ground, uh, but they're going down, aren't they? And it's... Uh, it's As gonna always. Be, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be 3-0 to us. Okay, that's uh, that sounds good. Andy, over to you. Norfolk is also in your heart. Yeah, I've got a house in Norfolk, as you know, and, and spent a lot of my life up there. Uh, I'm going to the game, actually, which is nice. Um, another away game to go to. Um, but Chaz is absolutely right. They're terrible. We should smash them. We, we do tend to do that when we go up there. I'm going to say 3-0. He said that. Well, <laughs> that's what I believe, oh, no. Karen. not yeah. making oh, can it up. I, can, can I just remind you, on the prediction front... No. Yeah, I can remind you that last week I predicted 4-0 against Burnley and I was right. Well done. Good guess. Yeah, guess. (laughs) I studied and worked out exactly how it's going to pan out. Chaz, when when he says to you, you can't have the same score, just ignore him. It's nonsensical. (laughs) He's been doing it for years. Yeah, well, you know, you just none of you know how to predict. So I suppose it's up to me to get it correct. And I'm going to go with 2-0 Chelsea. There you go. It's very conservative for you. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I'd like to go 6-0, but that would just be ridiculous. Unless it is 6-0. And then remember where you heard that. All right, look, we are out of time. Um, As always, thank you, Andy. A pleasure chatting to you. And 
Thank you, Chaz, uh, for for chatting along with us and getting us through a difficult and strange podcast, especially the first half. But look, everyone, we all love Chelsea. Whatever happens, the club will continue being in our hearts forever. So come on, you blues. Let's go. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.